Um, now, this is a very special episode, very, very special because I've got a very special guest. I'm a little bit nervous and I shouldn't be. You shouldn't be nervous. No. <laughs> but the thing is about this man I'm about to have a chat to, our very first supportive dude on the Wits Up podcast. But the thing is, you walk into a room of all these amazing triathletes around the globe, like the, the fittest people on the planet. And then this guy walks in and it's like, you know, the dude's walked into a saloon bar, the old Western movies, and everyone stops. He's the rock star of the sport. You're too kind. You're, <laughs> you're killing me. I'm so red-faced. I'm glad no one can see this. <laughs> um, I would love to. It's actually a great honour to introduce Mr. Deli Carr to our Thank podcast. You. Thank you, Steph. Thank you. <laughs> it's not an honour. You're crazy. Why? Hey? It is an honour. Oh, we, we're friends. It's like... I've never, I know, I I get it. I've I've been here for so long, and, and there, there's a certain thing about me in the sport. And but I'm such a humble working class boy, and it just embarrasses me. Not yeah. embarrasses me. I'm I'm red faced and blushing. That's, yeah, that's all it is. It's a nice thing, but it's yeah. it's something that I'm not used to. It's still after all these. Still, issues. I'm not yeah. used to it. No way near it. No way near it. But that's one of the reasons people love you as well, because you are just very humble and normal and a bit of an idiot like the rest of us. <laughs> well, I like to be known as the idiot, I guess. <laughs> I, it's You're right. It, it's something I'll, I probably will never get used to. I, I guess because what I do within the sport is it's not a job, but it's something I love so much. And it, and, and I'm I'm glad it gets all the attention. Yeah. That, that's the whole reason for it. But it, it's... Yeah, as I said, I'm blushing right now. It's all good. <laughs> You're so cute. Oh, cute. <laughs> um, one of the reasons I chose you to be our first supportive dude on the podcast is I was actually singing your praises when I was at Ironman New Zealand because that's when I first met you back in 2009, so yeah. almost 10 years ago now. Wow. Yeah, sort of. Nine years ago. Yeah. Some good maths. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pregnant. I, I'll use baby brain as an excuse. But you were one of the first people I met within the world of media and photography in triathlon. And you took me under your wing. And I, I mean, you probably don't remember that weekend that much, but I certainly do. No, I, I, I do remember. I do remember you because you were like a bit of a breath of fresh air. Like, you had so much more enthusiasm than all of us had in, and, and more. You still had more enthusiasm than a lot of us do at the time. So you, you came in like a f breath of fresh air. So no, I do remember it. Yeah, and I did take you under the wing. But did I think? I thought you might have been thinking way too hard and way too high. But you haven't. You have, you've been here for nine years or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. So it's been wonderful to see that. I mean, I called you a rookie at the time, yeah. and, and I still called you a rookie. But, <laughs> but you were a breath of fresh air, don't get me wrong. Yeah. And what you were trying to do sounded quite adventurous to me. Yeah, right. You know, in such a specialised target sport that yeah. you were going to, in theory, put a line down the middle. Yeah. I mean that in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, the, yeah, so half of a small market. Yeah, absolutely. A niche within a niche. A niche within a niche, perfectly so. Yeah. 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 But I remember... Um, God, I remember the road trip from Auckland to, um, oh, I always forget how to pronounce it, Topor. Topor. Yeah. Um, and then a few quiet beers at the at the pub on one of the nights. And I think I was, we stole 
a placement something or other I, we stole something but yeah it was um <laughs> it but the reason i brought it up mainly is because i knew straight away that you not that you knew it but you become a bit of a mentor and i'm not i don't just mean within the world of photography i mean within the world of triathlon because i remember i talked to you when i decided i wanted to launch wits up yeah I talked to you before um, I went to Oz Trimag and, you know, just to get your sense of the whole, I guess, the next adventure and stuff. So. Yeah, well, well if, if we did catch up or if we met nine years ago, that, I'd been there for 20 years. Yeah. Well, within the sport for 20 years. So, you know, I, I'd seen a lot up till then. I've seen even more since. But yeah. In saying that, I, I guess probably I'm a good person I've looked at to come to. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because I've worked with with the top dogs and I've worked with, you know, others not so high and, and I've seen every aspect of the sport and I grew up with the athletes and I've I've been within all the areas. Yeah. You know, I've had beers with princes and kings, you know, within that have been involved in the sport and I've had beers with the guys who put up the bunting in the morning before a race. So Yeah. And everyone else in between. And yeah. then there was one point where I was the same age as the athletes. <laughs> yeah. And so, and when the sport was not so serious, you know, yeah. we, we would be heading out after the race for a few, you know, a few drinks and, and a bit of dancing and a bit of whatever. So, yeah. you know, there isn't anyone within the sport I haven't been involved with in any way. Yeah. Or any level within the sport. Yeah. So, okay, so let's go way back yeah. and we'll try and do a bit of a timeline. I don't know how much time we've got, but um, okay. let's let's start with photography, um, you know, triathlon related or not. But what first um, got you interested in the click of the camera? And this is way back before they were digital cameras as yeah. well. Um, the first memory, and it's only because I still have the camera, but Dad gave me a little plastic toy camera. Yeah. When I was seven. Oh, wow. And it was for a school excursion, I think, to Taronga Zoo. Yeah. So um, I still have it. I still have the packet it was in. It, it cost Dad 99 cents, but... Yeah. No, it was cheap. So <laughs> it, it it's still a camera. And funny enough, it's a camera now that it would cost a lot of money to buy on eBay. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's an imperfect, imperfect camera. And um, people use it to do artistic type work because the lens is terrible and leaks light and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And that's, I remember getting the film and then sending it away and then getting it a week later from the chemist. Yeah. And so we're talking ancient history now. <laughs> and I remember the first photo that I pulled out of the packet was a photo of a peacock and it's black and white. Yeah. At the time as well. So even colour was rare then. And... um. <laughs> So it was a peacock photo, and that's when I realised the magic, you know, that yeah. I sent away a little roll of film, and then I got these prints back, and that that, that was it. I was hooked from then. Yeah, right. Um, sport. Sport came in during high school because I ended up having teeth braces to correct some um, teeth that were not quite straight. Yeah. So I wasn't allowed to play my, my favourite sport, which is rugby league at the time. I grew up in a big rugby league area. And I didn't want to play tennis because that's all I was allowed by the sport to play because I had the old big wire braces and I, playing a contact sport was out of out of ah. contact. I wasn't allowed to. Yeah. I wanted to be with my footy mate, so I conned the sportsmaster and the headmaster that 
yeah. should take photos of the rugby league for the school newsletter, which they accepted, and that's when I fell in love with sport photography. Oh, wow. So I was hooked then. So that was yeah. mid-high school. So do you still have some of those Yeah, images? I found them. I found <gasps> some, not all of them. Yeah. Um, but I've got a couple, and they're pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing was... I remember going to the school darkroom and processing them and printing them and I'd do a second print and sell them to the mate, my mates for 15 cents. Oh, that's so cool. So that, yeah, so I was one of the popular guys for a while there because I'd have photos of them doing their thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did find some three or four months ago yeah. in an old photo album. That's so but cool. But trying to remember their names and who they were. And yeah. That, that was a tough bit. Yeah, right. So... Back then, obviously, there was the um, roles of film and then you'd go into the darkroom yourself. Going into the darkroom, did that help you appreciate and learn more about the clicking of a camera as well? Like how to, because of the whole processing part of it? I think, no, it was more, well, yeah, because I guess trying to get the exposures and everything right at the beginning helped me make a better print towards the end. It didn't. It didn't, I didn't have to spend time trying to fix the mistakes. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I guess getting it right the first time was always embedded in my brain. Yeah. Um, but being in a dark room was just magic. It was You could see, you put a piece of paper into a chemical and you yeah. see the picture come up and that was just magic and sheer fantasy yeah. in Disneyland for me. Oh, you know, wow. And I could spend days in, in a dark room and if the chemicals weren't so toxic, I'd, <laughs> I'd still be in there. Yeah. When was the last time you were in a dark room? Oh, it was probably high school. No, yeah, okay. I, no, when I left high school and into my first home, I did have a, I did have a set or oh, dark room set put in my bathroom, but it was very just in and out in the cupboards and stuff, but not a set properly set up. Okay. Dark room. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of years after high school, maybe that's yeah, about yeah. it. So that's ancient history now. Yeah. <laughs> And then, so when did it move on to, I guess, more sports? Did you, did you go to uni? Yeah, after high school, um, apparently I was quite a clever little bugger. So I, I did an economics degree. Oh, right. And I majored in marketing. And yep. um, so I was a marketing manager for many years. Yeah. You know, I'd had the corporate job and the suit and tie and the company secretary, and she was hot, by the way. <laughs> I remember her name, Lily. <laughs> Um, <laughs> secretary company car had an office in the city with harbour views, the whole kit and caboodle. So I can't even imagine that. I know, it, and I can't even imagine me doing that anymore. I I left, I think maybe after ten years because I couldn't. I was not a corporate. Yeah. Yeah. Whilst I did the, the degree and I enjoyed my marketing. Yeah. Marketing can be a wondrous thing, but yeah. Um, I wasn't into the corporate games and the, the kissing butt and all yeah. that sort of stuff that happens. Yeah. So it was then my company that I was working for at the time were handing out any retrenchment packages. If anyone would like to leave, we have yeah. these packages. And that was my, that was the little push that I wanted to get out of the corporate world. Yeah, right. And took the money and I went and I left. And were you still doing photography on the side as a bit of a hobby? A little or? bit on the weekends. Yeah, just yeah. a little. Yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't enough, but that was my dream and my goal. So that was always in the back of your head? It was always in yeah. the back of my head, even th- throughout my whole corporate career, this is what I wanted to do. Yeah, okay. But when you have a great salary and everything's paid for and 
yeah. at the time had a mortgage and that was being paid off, you know, reasonably with a great salary. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was hard to walk away to something so insecure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- that retrenchment package gave me about a year's worth of salary. Yeah, okay. I blew a bit of it. I traveled for a little while into Europe. Yeah. And then decided to make the move. Yeah. Yeah, to try. Yeah, right. So if, if you know, a few people thought I was crazy doing that, walking away from. Yeah. At that time was a great salary. Yeah. And even the long lunches and that you'd leave for lunch and you, you never went back to work. It was, it was those corporate greed days that I was in. Yeah, which, right. Yeah. The buying $15 beers and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But it's kind of a, um, that story is kind of a parallel to, say, a professional athlete who leaves a full time job and takes the oh, risk to become a pro athlete. Of course. I, you, I, know? I, you know, particularly triathlon, that's not a wealthy man's sport or you, hard to make a massive <laughs> living out of. Yeah. So, yeah, someone walking out of a corporate job to try pursue triathlon full time. Yeah. Take off my hat to them. Wonderful. And and same to you. Anyone who takes that that jump, um, but I, I kind of figure you always regret it more if you don't. Oh so. yeah, I'd be a miserable bugger if I was still in an office job. Yeah, I'd be terrible. Yeah. Um, God knows what. I've I've had the the best life since. And yeah. Cannot complain one minute. No, I'd I'd be miserable and would yeah. regret it. And that's the last thing you want to do is is go to your grave, regretting something or wish you had done something. Absolutely. Yeah. Completely agree. Totally. So, okay, so you've left the corporate world. You've got at least a year up your sleeve of being able to look after yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I was eating Vegemite sandwiches for dinner and a few other things to just try and keep it going. And you know what? The first year I did okay. Yeah. And maybe I was the new kid on the block, you know, that let's try this guy mm-hmm. out. And, but the year two, that's when it hit. And when I realized what I didn't earn, you know, what, yeah, what right. little I earn. Yeah. Then I went, oh, this isn't good. So in my mind, I gave myself four years and by year four, um, the salary was okay, enough to pay my bills. Yeah. And I thought, okay, enough to continue with that. So what sport were you working in or was there Well, triathlon became one of them quite quickly, quite early on. Okay. And... um but there were others at the time, bits of bobs, and there were a couple of magazines I was working for, fitness magazines, and a few things that yeah. I'd get a base salary out of. Okay. It was enough for me to pay my bills and buy more Vegemite for the sandwiches, I guess. <laughs> yeah. um, but year four, roughly, and then a year or so after that, Sydney got the Olympic Games, or they were awarded the Olympic Games. Yep. And work started to pick up in his country because everyone was interested in sport and the corporate world was interested in sponsoring athletes and needed photos of them and all that. And that helped my career immensely. Yeah, right. Massively for me to make a living up until the year 2000 for those six or seven years. Yeah. So, you know, then triathlon, which I'd already been embedded in, um, started to pick up its popularity as well because it was now in the Olympic Games. Yeah. And as at that time, I was the only guy shooting the sport around the world. I guess my role within the sport developed and my importance developed and the ITU noticed me and Triathlon Australia noticed me. And so it was those years just prior to 2000 when the sport became mainstream, if you want to use that word, and then... My role within it, I, my role within the sport 
went up the same way that the sport did itself. Yeah. So do you feel like it was more of now people were kind of chasing you as opposed to you chasing jobs? Yeah, that, at that time, term. yeah, because I'd been yeah. the only person. And I started shooting triathlon in 88. Jeez. Yeah, no. <laughs> How old were you? I know. There you go, see? So it was 88 was my first triathlon, December 88. Yeah. And the P triathlon. Oh, right? oh, that's cool. So at that time, I was shooting the sport and, as I said, there was only one triathlon magazine around at the time in this country. Yeah. Um, he didn't pay much at all, if he did pay me, but, I, you know, it continued shooting because I enjoyed the sport for some yeah. reason. It, it, it clicked with me. Yeah. I thought they were all crazy to begin with, so that's probably why I was interested. Yeah, right. They were a bit loopy. Yeah. But, yeah, the magazine doesn't exist anymore. Not that many do. But yeah. it was because of that I continued to use well, – they continued to use my pictures and that's where I was noticed. Yeah. I was the only one shooting it around the world. Yeah, right. The only person. Wow. And that's when, you know, the, the US mags and the European mags and the Japanese magazines noticed, well, this guy's shooting. Yeah. And, um, and then the ITU noticed me as well. Which gave you the opportunity to travel a little bit more yeah, following the sport? Exactly, yeah, exactly, because the, the Aussie mag had no budget. I mean, <laughs> I, I was being paid peanuts. Yeah. But, and then there was an editor there, Aileen Southwell, and we all know the Southwell families. But yeah. Because I stormed into the office to speak to the, the publisher because he was paying me nothing. Yeah. And I was resigning. I was going to walk away from the sport. I was going to tell him to, to shove his magazine. Yeah. And she stopped me and, and asked why I was there and I told her and she said, Please don't quit because I'm I'm contributing to this sport in a way that no one else has. Yeah. She said I was adding so much to the sport and the sport would be totally lost if I wasn't there. This is only after a couple of years. Yeah. So Aileen stopped me from walking. I would have left that afternoon. Wow. After I would have given the publisher a gobful. Yeah. Aileen told me to stay because not no one had ever photographed or contributed to the sport like I had. Yeah. And I'm grateful, you know, that she stopped me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So she was a big deal. If you look at my history in the sport. Yeah. She was a game changer. Oh, totally. That was one of those, is it not opening door thing, but it was one of, yeah. it's a key moment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely a key moment. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So back in those kind of days, do you have a fond memory of a particular photo that stands out in your memory or? Yeah. The, well, the first photo that was published was again from that Nepean triathlon. Yeah. And it was Nick Croft coming up a hill yeah. just on his bike and a fluoro pink helmet and really bad clothing and like you'd laugh at what they were wearing then. But yeah, it was a nice picture, and but it fitted the the front cover perfectly yep oh, oh hang on we're just going to pause for a sec someone's knocked on my door <laughs> room service can you believe it they're checking the minibar have you been oh. <laughs> ready my minibar I certainly can't at the you moment can't, I know, exactly. in my condition well you shouldn't no <laughs> You better put the fags away, but yeah. <laughs> so that that yeah, it was it was Nick Croft coming up a hill, just and it's just a plain background, but it fitted the, and that one, 
funny enough, kept getting used by a lot of people, and that was kind of repetitively. And and the lady yeah. who won it that year, which was Liz Heppel, was the poster in the magazine. So again, pretty oh, similar yeah. photo, but those two stood out pretty much straight away. Yeah. You don't see many posters in magazines anymore. No, the posters are gone, haven't they? But that magazine had a poster. Yeah. One of the big names at the time. Yeah. I wanted to bring the poster back when I was at the magazine. I should have. Yeah, well, I tried. Yeah, we tried. (laughs) And then, then, you know, the second race I did was World Champs. Oh, wow. It was a World Champs race. And Milo, Miles Stewart won that one. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, being thrust from the P into a World Champs. And I thought, wow, what a big deal. Yeah. But yeah, when you look at it now, it's it's not what it was. A world chance then was not quite what a world chance is today. Yeah, but yeah, of it course. was a world chance for that particular sport at that particular time. Yeah, wow. Do you remember the point when? Because one thing um, I love watching you work because it's not just about what you produce; it's your the interaction with athletes, which. I mean, you can get away with anything and t- say anything to anyone and people will do anything for you. So th- there's that, your interaction and your um, relationship with athletes, which gives you your end product that's so different to everyone else. But also um, for, for a man who's been shooting a lot of the same races for many, mm. many years, you still manage to get a different photo like it it blows my mind how much you can see things in advance and get creative i can't remember if i actually asked a question (laughs) (laughs) what was the question um no i think i get it coming to a race year after year and i'll be honest it's getting really tough yeah and we're here at port you know for aussie ironman and i can't even count how many times i've been here and on the same course yeah I mean, there are variables. There's weather, there's athletes, there's, you know, the race scenario. There's a whole lot of things. But it is getting tough for me. Yeah. When it's over. And Noosa. I mean, Noosa's how many years? And I, what, what else can I extract? I don't know. Yeah. But I do try. I honestly do try. My drive here was four and a half hours. And that whole time, um, I was thinking, what else can I do? And I'm going over the course in my head. Yeah. I know um, the forecast is for a wonderful sunny day. So I had that all in my mind the whole drive down here. What can I do that's different? Yeah. You know, I I can produce the same photos over and over again, but they will lessen in value year after year. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, things can change, obviously, with athletes and reactions and weather, but I have to come up with things that are different. For example, first year here, I found some beautiful palms and things, and I shot them with the athletes going by. Now, those palms have grown out of the picture. They're way too big, you know. Wow. They were there. They were my size at one point. Now they've gone. They're, they're, yeah. God knows how big they are now. So that, that shows you how long it's been. Yeah. 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 It is tough, but I guess to be a good photographer, I, I need a challenge each time I come as opposed to making it just a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I can shoot for Iron Man and just produce the same pictures over again, but that's not why they've hired me. Yeah. They've hired me to make it look attractive. Yeah. But also it's for you as well, like you say. Oh, of course. it's. I'm not a triathlete. I'm a photographer. Yeah. I want to produce work that that gets my, you know, my juices flowing. Yeah. Not not because it's triathlon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm blessed because triathlon means a lot to me, so maybe I put in a little bit more effort. Yeah, right. I will always do that. 
Yeah. And what about, more, like, say, the photo shoots with athletes, so maybe not an actual race, but when you get the opportunity to spend quite a few hours with athletes, are there any shoots that stick out in your mind or there'd be heaps, I imagine? But... There's been a lot. And yeah. early on it was always swim, boat, run photos and quite boring, running out of the surf or, you know, cycling up a hill and that. Yeah. And and I guess later on I've been trying to be a bit more creative and a little bit more artistic and that's not easy for me. Yeah. Um, technically, I'm not the best photographically, technically. Yeah. I'm more of a visual person, so to, to produce that has been... Um, to produce a picture that I visualise but to know how to get it done is tough for me. Yeah, right. But I'll work it out. I'll, I'll, yeah. You know, I'll do the homework where I can and try and get it right. Yeah. I guess of all the years when it's been wonderful to, to photograph an athlete and then later on they become world champ or they become an Olympic champion. And I know that I'd spent time with them and I may have photos of them when they were younger or yeah. they were babies. Yeah. You know, I I looked back at some old photos the other day and there was one of Jake Montgomery. Yeah. And he's, he's a 12-year-old or he's an 11-year-old racing. Yeah. He's so baby-faced. And then you, you see him now and he can kick ass on an Ironman course. Yeah, right. It's that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I guess the one day when I, I finally do put my feet up and retire that I can go back in some files. Yeah. You know, and find the baby-faced Emma Snowsill, the baby-faced whoever it is, Craig yeah. Alexander. Yeah. Um, you know, doing a normal shoot for a wetsuit company or for a shoe company. Yeah. And to see that. It'd be, yeah, it is good. Yeah. And you, you mentioned that sometimes it's not always technically perfect in those sort of scenarios, mm. but as, as a photographer, sometimes the story is far more important than the technical side of Oh, things. of course it is. Yeah. 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 And, and I, as I said, I, I've grown up with most of these athletes. All right, I'm older than... Some of the guys in the ITU now and that, and I'm not going out for a drink and stuff, but yeah, yeah. I knew them a lot more than just being an athlete photographer basis. Yeah. So I could get a story out of them quite easily by knowing them so well. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up with a lot. I'm godfather to some of their children. I've been best <laughs> man. I've been the best man to their weddings and stuff. So yeah. I know a lot more about them than, than you know, than a, as a normal photographer, yeah, athlete scenario. If I was shooting rugby league, there's no way I'd have the same relationship. No, I've shot cricket for twenty years and twenty five years. Yeah, you know, I've never gone to dinner with one cricketer. I've, I've, you know, it's yeah, right. totally different scene. Yeah, to me, they're an athlete, and I'm the photographer. But in this sport, I'm a friend. Yeah, well, I guess you have grown with the sport because it is such yeah. a young sport as totally. well. Still young. Yeah, it's still young. Yeah, I wonder how much that would be the same story if you came into it now. Oh, it'd be a totally different thing because I'm 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 older. Yeah. You know, <laughs> when you know the Australian team that just went to the Commonwealth Games or just competed. Yeah. You know, early twenties tops. You know, it's like, crazy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and that's even less than half my age, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Or even yeah. more than half. My, what does that mean? No. But yeah. <laughs> I'm double their age in a bit. Yeah, yeah. It'd be a totally different scene. Yeah. I mean, I get on with them very well because cause my name has come through. Of course. The athletes, they used to admire, knew me and know me and so on. So yeah. they still, they don't call me Mr. Car, they call me Deli and we yeah. still kid around and joke around and we have a laugh and a giggle. Yeah. But do I go out, you know, dancing with them afterwards? No, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> But those kids would have, um, and I feel like I can even call them kids because they yeah. seem so young yeah, to me. Right. 
Um, they grew up with posters of, of pro course. athletes on the wall that you took. Yeah, so I they, agree. Yeah. They've read. They've been reading the magazines that Absolutely. my name's been in since day one. Yeah. I want to talk about the other sports that you do shoot because I know you're heavily involved in the swimming and yeah. you mentioned cricket. Um, and then obviously you've been to Olympic Games, Com Games. What other sports do you really enjoy being uh, or enjoy shooting? Yeah, I, swimming's now 15 to 20 years roughly. Yeah. Um, that's got to be hard to find a that, new That's hard to shoot. That is definitely yeah. hard. I mean, we're in a 50-meter pool and it's in a – indoors and there's no palm trees there's no beautiful yeah. water it's and a breaststroke is breaststroke and butterfly is butterfly yeah but because i'm part of the the whole scene i'm part of swimming yeah you know i'm accepted similar in a similar way that i am in triathlon i enjoy going yeah and i know the athletes and they know me yeah and that's such a wonderful basis to work with when you know and I'm welcomed by the officials and the technical officials on the pool will step aside for me and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Cricket, 25 years. Um, yeah. No one knows that. I've been shooting cricket for that long. But, it's it, again, it's a very, as I said, a very photographer-athlete basis. Yeah. You know, I don't get on with cricketers. Don't get on with them? Not at all. They're, really? Because well, I wasn't a cricketer. Yeah, and they okay. Accept, they treat me that way. If really? I'd been a cricketer, I'd be one of the boys, but I'm not. It's a very, very insular sport. Yeah. You wouldn't believe. And so, and because they are treated like they are in this country and on a very mm. high pedestal, that a photographer is part of media and he's not as respected, even though I'm the team photographer. Really? Yeah, I'm That's still so part of media to them. Wow. So, as I said, I've never had dinner with any. I've never clowned around. There's not many there that I can say I've, I've had a good talk to or a chat yeah right totally different but you know i get on well with admin they understand what i'm all about etc and, and a wonderful relationship with the the marketing people and whatever yeah um but cricket's a different different deal they don't want me to be artistic they just want the shots of the guys batting and the guys bowling yeah right so an easy easy-ish type thing yep but yeah something different rowing i'm doing a lot in australian rowing now okay yeah, yeah. And it's funny, all these sports, that's all flowed from triathlon. Yeah, right. Believe it or not, they've all come to me because they've noticed my work in triathlon. That's cool. Yeah, so it's come from there. Yeah. Um, I used to do a lot of X Games stuff. Yeah. Um, but I That'd got too cool. old for that because I wouldn't wear the cap backwards and I didn't <laughs> understand the music and all that stuff. And I was getting too old for the for the athletes. Yeah, right. Because what's this grey-haired guy doing shooting us? There should be a young... Yeah, eighteen-year-old take photos. So that yeah, that changed, and, and I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. swigging <laughs> Red Bull. So I wasn't I wasn't part of that demographic. Yeah, totally different. Yeah, but they've all evolved because of triathlon and administrators or marketing people have noticed my work in triathlon. Yeah, right. It's a small world because that marketing manager knows someone who just did a triathlon, and it- they just did Noosa triathlon. They picked yep. up the magazine and saw my name. Yeah. That's how it kind of works. Yeah, right. Yeah. So then what What about outside of sport? Because I know in the last few years or so, you've uh, wanted to get that creative flair back outside yeah. of, you know, people in Lycra. And um, I went to your show, I don't even know how long ago it was it's now. five years. Five, it came five up years on Facebook. Ago. Five years ago yesterday, May the 4th. Oh, of course. How did I forget? <coughs> May you the 4th be with you. <laughs> 
Yeah, that that I didn't. There was a time where I was a little bit burnt out with photography. Yeah. With sport, shooting sport, and okay. and I felt like giving it away, kind of. Yeah. Right. Um. No, I wouldn't have. I I know that, but I was just tired, so I decided to take on some projects that prove that I. <clears throat> to prove that I um still love photography. Yeah. Okay. So the first one was a pop culture one. Which so good. Happened because I won tickets to that Star Wars movie, and when I did get to the midnight screening, there are all people dressed up and waving yeah. lightsabers in the air, and I thought, "This is what I want to do." And it was a ten-year project. Yeah. And the exhibition five years ago. Wow. So that that said that I could do photography outside of sport. Yeah. Um, I then I started another one, which is some. Harajuku fashion, so I go yearly to Tokyo and shoot yeah. all the different fashions there. And I go next week to the Yokohama Triathlon and I'll do my last shoot. Yeah. You know, all my subjects are ready. I've got 20 of them. Oh, wow. And that's it. I'm done. That was a five-year project. Yeah. And I'll have an exhibition later this year. Okay, so that will be the result of all of that work? Is yeah, an five again. years of shooting all the different fashions in Tokyo. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, and... I've got some crazy ones coming up this time around, so I'm excited. I can imagine. Yeah. Let's just quickly jump back to pop, the pop culture yeah. one. So, um, like my one of my all-time favourite photos that you ever took was that one of Chewbacca sitting yeah. in the hair salon reading a – I think it was a Star Wars magazine or something. Star Wars magazine. But the best bit was he had the hairdryer on his on his hair. Yeah, that, that was the photo that came up on Facebook. But, oh, but okay. But – Towards the end of the project, because some of these people were quite extreme in their thoughts and the way they behaved, and it was like Big Bang Theory on steroids, kind yeah, of thing. Right. They were so I wanted to just inject some of my own self personality and some of the humour yeah. that I'm kind of known for. Yeah, and that's when I said to Chewy. Well, originally I said to the guy who dresses like Chewy um, to chainsaw a teddy bear, and he he thought that was a bit too violent. I thought it was funny. <laughs> But he did agree to a hair salon thing. Yeah. And that picture became the signature picture of the whole thing. Absolutely. And that was just my humor and my little input. Yeah. And from then on, every shoot I did with a character um, was, was had something that I thought of or wanted to put into it. Yeah. God, I, man, if I was doing the project now, all these Marvel movies that are coming out, I'd, I'd be having a ball. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think I stopped the project just prior to... I think the Avengers coming on. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably a good thing. I'd still be doing it. Uh, it would never end. It would never like the end. Movies. It's... Who's this Thanos, this new person? There's another one. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Were you were you a comic book fan Yes, as a I kid? was. Yeah. That's why. I'd, a, I was a Star Wars fan. I was also a Batman fan. And that. Yeah. Dad bought me every Batman toy there was in those days. Yeah. And then, funny enough, and a lot of creatives say that when they first see Star Wars, they realise that anything's possible in art. Yeah, right. In the art world or filmmaking or photography. Yeah. Because that film pushed the boundaries big time. So you would walk out of the cinema, you know, with this wonderment, how the hell did they make lightsabers and all that stuff. Yeah. So that was a big deal for me. And, uh, I mean, I was always in love with the movies. Yeah. Um, To the point where I did a cinematography course. Oh, wow. Cinematography and photography, they blend. And yeah. I've ended up photographer, which is more or less the same. Yeah, yeah. So, being the big Star Wars geek that you are, yeah. how do you like the comparison 
between the the old school ones and then the new ones, which are actually the prequels and yeah, yeah. Right. the order doesn't really matter. So, I yeah. mean, I still love to go see a Star Wars movie because I I kind of get it. Whether yeah. it's before or after, now it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, you know, I I saw a bus yesterday with a new Solo movie coming out with that story about Han Solo. Oh, really? Now, I don't know where that fits. It's a young Han Solo. Yeah. Okay. Right, and that's obviously it was it's coming out soon. So. Yeah. I would love to see that. Yeah. I mean, it's still part of that whole galaxy. That's a bad word. But still part of that whole scene, right? Well, it's actually the perfect word to use. Yeah, the guy who was (laughs) once upon a time in a galaxy so far away. Whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, Star Wars is now a fairy tale and our kids and our kids' kids will be talking about it and having the toys. Yeah. It's never going to go away now. No, I don't think so. No, No. it's never going to go away. Yeah. So I was lucky. I was part of it, the whole thing, and and again, I had the toys, and I still got the toys, and they're worth a bomb on eBay. And yeah, you know, if I fall on hard times for some stupid reason, I'm selling all my Star Wars toys. Yeah, and my Batman ones. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I know a few people who would be lining up to buy them. <laughs> I think I, I can't yeah. believe some of the prices on some things. Oh, it's insane. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, it, it it's part of my whole visual mind, you know, the color and the noise and the characters and humor and yeah, all that sort of stuff. And part of movies, I, I mean, I would go to the movies a lot by myself, not because I had no friends, but yeah. it's just I enjoyed the movies. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So I, I cannot tell you how many times I saw Star Wars as a teenager. Really? I, I, endless times. Yeah. Endless times. What, what was your favorite Star Wars movie? Oh, well, it was the first one, obviously, because that's the one I saw. But yeah. look, I enjoy them all now. Yeah, okay. But there was a couple of dodgy ones in the middle there. Yeah. But now they're all good. Okay, so let's circle back again to Triathlon. Yes. You've been in it since 88. Yes. December 88. Dece- okay, so almost... Th- oh, my God. Yeah, I'm coming 20, up. To, 30 um, years. It's 30 years yeah. this December. Yeah. Wow. TA, if you're listening, I deserve a bronze statue or something. Bronze? Go straight for gold. Gold watch. I want a gold watch. Platinum. (laughs) (laughs) The new word. 30 years is December. Far out. So I need to look the exact day that Nepean Triathlon was in December 88. Yeah. 30 years. That's a long time to be doing anything. Yeah. It's nice. Um, No. wouldn't have known when I started that triathlon would be part of my life. It yeah. is a massive chunk of my life. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of time, but the people that I go out to dinner with and friends, and as I said, I was best man to people's weddings and yeah. godfather to some of their kids. Yeah. it's People say I have a family, and I do, and then people say I have a second family, and that's triathlon. Yeah, yeah. Um. It's a massive chunk of my life. I've yeah. given up for the sport. Absolutely. And you continue. Yeah, to and I, I don't regret it. No, I don't regret a minute of it. Yeah. Every single day I go to a triathlon, I'm, that, it's like my playground. Yeah. It's a funny thing. And people know that, technical officials know that, and the administrators know that, and they, they let me go where I want. Yeah. Well, they trust they you, respect, obviously, as They well. trust and respect yeah. what I've done. And even... I shouldn't be saying this, but the London Olympics, the ITU, um, they didn't want me just sitting with all the other photographers that were all in positions, yeah. according to the IOC. So they put a fake red 
armband around me and told every technical official and every volunteer that the guy with the red armband can go where he wants. So I'm walking on a field of play that no one else is allowed to. Wow. No one is allowed to. Yeah. But we got away with it. Like, and rightly so. You should be allowed to go Sydney wherever Sydney Olympics the same. I knew every technical official. They let me walk. Yeah. Everywhere. So. Yeah. Um, and even the recent Commonwealth Games. The, yeah. The, the Commonwealth Games people knew how important it was to me and they kind of let me go where I wanted. Within yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there were complaints by broadcast. Who's this guy walking on the field to play when he shouldn't be there? And it was all too late. Yeah. So the fake armband, I still have it in my <laughs> souvenirs. But it's, I have devoted so much of my life to it. Yeah. You know, and <clears throat> I do have other friends. But a big, <laughs> but a big chunk of my friends are triathlon, triathlon yep. related. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And And speaking of it being a massive part of your life and, you know, putting, making sacrifices for this sport because mm. you have since day, have. day one. Yeah. Um, and I spoke to you about this beforehand, if you're happy to have a quick chat about it. But last <clears> year <throat> you went through quite an, an intense ordeal in Canada. Yeah. Can you, so that I don't get anything wrong, can you give us a brief rundown yeah. of what happened? Um, I was at the World Multisport Champs. And that was about a week of different racing. Yeah. And we're down to the last day, which was, I think, long distance. Um, <clears throat> and an Aussie girl won it, and I've forgotten now, but it's all a blur. Mm. Um, I went, we went, the night before, we went to an ice hockey match, a local ice hockey match, which I, I love and adore that sport. Yeah. And then went and saw a blues singer and oh. went to bed healthy and fine and woke up. Uh, with my left side completely paralyzed. Oh, my God. And um, I thought maybe I'd slept funny and whatever, but I tried to stand up. My left leg wasn't working. My left hand couldn't pick up my phone. Um, I didn't realize at the time, but my mouth wasn't working either. Wow. Um, so a long story short, I had a little bit of a genetic issue with an artery in my neck, which then tore that night and spat a bit of lining up or a bit of blood up to my brain. Yeah. The right hand side of the brain, which then paralyzed my left side. So I'd had a stroke. Yeah. Um But what's going through your mind? Well, I thought I'd slept funny. I thought it'd right. all come good and I tried to have a shower, but I couldn't even step into the shower and couldn't hold the soap. So I, I realized something was wrong, but I now know a lot about strokes, but I didn't know what a stroke was. Yeah. In theory I'm too young to have a stroke. Yeah. But it's a genetic I had a kink in my artery, which tore. So yeah. in theory, I, it wasn't a lifestyle thing. I, it, it was an accident. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I didn't know. And then I said, all right, well, I'll go get dressed, grab all my gear, cameras, work it through, and then I'll see someone at the end of the day. Oh, my God. don't know, for a long-distance triathlon too. Um, I realized when I couldn't pick up my camera, Something. Something was wrong. So. Yeah. I alerted Chelsea at the ITU. Then, you know, the whole ITU family then went into overdrive to help me. And um, we got the ITU doctor to come up. And then one of the technical officials who's a registered nurse looked at me. And that's when I first spoke and realized my mouth wasn't working either. Oh, because you had texted them or emailed them or well, something? Yeah, at yeah. the time. 
So okay. I text Chelsea. And then, yeah. Um, so it was the whole ITF. People pretty much dropped everything to get me in an ambulance to get yeah. me to hospital, look after me in hospital. Yeah. Where I was diagnosed I'd had a stroke. Wow. And then the ITU were just amazing and getting me home and getting me through airports and, you know, putting me at the pointy end of the plane to so I could sleep all the way home from Canada. Yeah. Which is when I did get home, I spent another three weeks in hospital. Yeah. And one week in a, in a stroke rehab hospital. Wow. Was there any danger with you flying at that No, point? it was because it was an accident. It wasn't a blood clot or it wasn't a lifestyle thing. Yep. They deemed it safe. I mean, I had the Aussie team doctor, had the British team doctor, the USA team doctor, the hospital doctor. Wow. So I had four doctors talking. You know, the, the hospital doctor must have thought, who's this guy? He's got three other yeah. doctors. <laughs> well, it's your it extended family, isn't it? It is. It's part yeah. of the family. They all... Yeah. You'd... <laughs> You'd be amazed by the reaction. Mm. I can't even imagine. So, uh, you know, even my ITU people that I work with, they wouldn't let me eat the hospital crappy food. They they went to restaurants to buy me food. And oh. And it was then when I did get home that, <clears throat> again, I realised my triathlon world, I had two and a half thousand messages. My God. From people like yourself and ex-world champions and Olympic champions and the para-athlete community. Yeah. It was amazing. So I couldn't type at the time. I had, my left hand was gone. Yeah. But I got back to everyone eventually. Yeah. There were two and a half thousand messages, either on the phone, Facebook, you know, texts, yeah. emails. People I thought hated me. Said the nicest things. Yeah. Um, people I had not seen in years, you know, ex-world champions, etc. Yeah. So I've made an impact on a lot of people. I didn't realise. Yeah, just how far that had gone. It had gone. It was yeah. massive. The para-athlete community were outstanding. Yeah. You know, and I had nothing compared to what some of them... Yeah. Some can't walk and others are blind or whatever, but they were... Just, the para-triathlete community were amazing. In what respect, just Continually support. calling me, sending me literature to rewire oh, wow. the brain. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they, can, they were always on the case. Yeah. Always on the case. That In such a horrible situation, but such a beautiful story to come out of it. Yeah, I, it was, I knew I was in, not important. I knew I was loved in this sport, but not till... Yeah. That happened, which was the good thing that came out of a little tragedy. Yeah. I'm I'm fine now. I'm 90% there. A little bit yeah. of a limp here and my left hand needs just a bit more strengthening. But yeah, it, it's not the... I managed to pull the good bit out of what happened. Yeah. It was a major kick in the ass health-wise. Yeah. I'd not been sick before in my life. So yeah. I'd never been to hospital in my life. Wow. And here I am. You know, with as I said, my left side's not working and I'm stuck in a hospital bed. Yeah. So I'm up, I get upset about it now, but it it's it's defined who I am. Yeah. It's, I'm right here sitting next to you because that point in my life has got me to this point where I am here and the person that I am. Yeah. 
So I've taken the lessons with stress and, yep. you know, with diet and, and alcohol and late nights and all that. And just, I'm not lazy, but I've brought, rethought things through. Absolutely. And I'm doing things smarter and, yep. you know, I, I'm not putting the importance on work. I'm not taking it lightly, but I'm not yep. stressed about it like I once did. Because you, when your health's gone, yeah, you know, you know yeah. the difference. Yeah. So I've been blessed to come back to the sport again. Yeah. It's funny, like Noosa was one of the first events I went back to. Yeah. And there were age groupers stopping in the middle of their race because they saw me and wanted to see how I was. Oh, God. And people calling out my name, and I don't know who they are. They're just saying, we're glad to see you back. So it went a lot further than just my immediate friends. Mm. The whole community was shocked. Yeah. Age group is stopping in the middle of their race to say hello and to see how I'm doing. Wow. This is Noosa and I was just like, I was a mess. Yeah, that would have been so overwhelming. Yeah. Because I, I remember talking <clears throat> to you there and I wanted to try and catch up and you were trying to just keep everything chilled. Yeah, and, and so, it didn't happen during the race. And so people yeah. are calling out my name and I don't know who they were. Yeah. Just as, glad to see you back, glad to see you healthy. Yeah. So, yeah, I... I love the sport, but I, I love it even more. Yeah. I was going to say, it's obviously <laughs> changed you as a person. Um, mm. Do you think it would it even changes your art a little bit now? Yeah. it. it <laughs> I came out of it with a real creative anger that I just... One of the things when I picked up my camera after the stroke was I said, no, not now. Don't I, don't, I can't stop my photography now. I haven't finished. Yeah. I've got to do a few more things just... And I was thinking maybe they'll give they can make a right-handed camera or have a brace that I can pick up a camera. Yeah, I was in a bit of a panic, but I went, "Not now, God, not now. Just give me a few more years. Yeah, then I don't have to pick up another camera." Wow. So I came out of it with a bit of a creative anger, saying, "I now need to do all the things I want to do and and make beautiful pictures." Yeah. And that's what I've been trying to do. That every shoot I do, I come out with at least one picture that I'm quite proud of, or I. Thought, well, that worked. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm now an expert on strokes and I've been reading a lot. And all the rehab I've been doing on my left hand with with squeezing balls and picking up toothpicks and that. Yeah. They say all that work, all that repetitiveness is stimulating the creative side of my brain. There's been research. So I don't know if it's a link or a coincidence, but... I feel some of my great pictures have been coming out is it because of all the rehab I'm doing. Wow. On my left side is stimulating the other side of the brain, which is the creative side of the brain. That's so fascinating. Yeah, so I've read research on it. Wow. Yeah, I know. So I'm I'm wondering all those hours of picking up toothpicks and yeah. picking up coins is stimulating my photography. Yeah. Isn't oh. weird? It's so bizarre. The human body is a fascinating yeah. machine. The the literature that the para athletes were sending me was about rewiring the brain. And, yeah. You know, that part of the brain, that, that droplet, the part of the brain where the droplet fell that night is yeah. now dead. Yeah. But another part of the brain takes over and yeah. has to relearn it. Yeah. So right now I can still walk. Yeah. I walk well because I'm doing that all the time, but... Yeah. Can I go for a jog? No, because my leg hasn't learned to jog yet. Right. Okay. My leg hasn't even learned to step sideways. So for me to step really? to the left, I have to think about it. Yeah. 
So it's, yeah, it's just rewiring the whole brain again. Yeah. Far out. So that's that, that, I guess that last 10% that you just spoke about, that you're 90% back. And, yeah, this last yeah. 10% is going to take two years or so. Right, okay. But I can live with it. Yeah. yeah I can live with what I have right now. Yeah. Yeah, and, I'm alive and I'm breathing and I'm happy and I'm at port. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing the stuff that I love doing. And you haven't lost your sense of humour. Some no, of the I messages haven't. you sent me, <laughs> I can't even remember half of them, about your rehab and everything. Yeah, well, my, yeah. Stroke is such an ugly word. So I, I, a lot of people thought I was in a really bad way. And I was in a bad way, but not stroke can be quite horrendous. I mean, I was in a stroke it's ward a with some very, watching some people with some serious, yeah, you know, injuries. Yeah. So all my updates, especially after that deluge of wishes yeah. that I had afterwards, I needed to tell people I'm okay. Yeah. And yeah. that included my sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. So, That's where they know something was very wrong if that Yeah, went. <laughs> it's funny. Um, and it's funny that for a while they're, all right, so I cleaned up Mac with a bit of eating and, and drinking and stuff. But in the middle of the Winter Olympics, I put a post up saying I'm halfway through my Olympics and I'll eat some cup of noodles and have a drink. Yeah. <clears throat> and that was just purely to make people aware or make, let people think that I'm okay again. Yeah. Yeah, you know, then I had another lot of people going, well, are you eating crap again and why are you drinking again? <laughs> so, yeah, my sense of humour is that, that people people thought something was wrong with me because I, I wasn't, I didn't have a sense of humour for a while. Yeah. I was just yeah. trying to get better. Yeah, yeah, so of course. So my updates were always with a little joke and they go, okay, Delhi's coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And it's good to see Delhi coming back. Thank you, Delhi. With, with, it, with a change as well. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's a different, Delhi 2.0. It's a different me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not not I'm not being a recluse, but yeah, going out for a drink after the event right now isn't a, isn't a priority for me. It's yeah, let, let me get my leg better and my hand better, and the yeah. confidence is coming back slowly. Yeah, is that something that you definitely struggled with? That um, oh, confidence, confidence amongst people definitely. Yeah, and look look at triathlon and Noosa. What might have been the best comeback? <laughs> you did to, pick the biggest race. I picked on the, the biggest calendar. race in this country to come back to, and yeah. I couldn't come out of my, I couldn't walk down Hastings Street without being stopped. So yeah. I had to be a little bit recluse in that respect. And yeah. Come out at midnight or whatever it was. Yeah. So yeah, I was a bit of angst amongst people. Yeah. For a while there, and that's just normal for stroke victims. Yeah. Okay. There's a few things. Yeah. 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 But yeah, Noosa was probably not the right one to come back to. <laughs> Even Port here, look, this. Yeah. You know, I'm terrified to walk down the street as well. Yeah. But it, again, it's a nice thing. People are stopping yep. me to see how I'm doing, and that's good. Yeah, <clears throat> and I'm sure they understand if you can't stand there and chat all day oh, and have so. a beer. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well after I don't want to be rude. Then, I, I don't want to. Yeah, after this podcast. Yeah. I don't want to be rude and just walk. I don't think you'll ever come across as rude. I just don't think. Oh, I don't. Know. I don't think so. I'm not. One thing I haven't done since since that incident, or well, one thing I have got angry at anything, so. Yeah. You won't see any anger in my face anymore. Yeah, right. If something goes wrong, something goes wrong. So, yeah. So. The new chill deli. It's, it's, I was chill before, now I'm even more chill. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the deep freeze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, on behalf of the entire triathlon community and anyone who has ever actually had the pleasure of meeting you, we're so happy to see you 
well and truly on the comeback trail. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah I, I'm closer to the end than I was when I first started, but in saying that, I'm, the last thing I will ever give away would be this sport. Yeah. Um, if I slowly start to drop off work, yeah, getting older for it, this will be the last thing I walk away from. Yeah. When I do want to walk away from it, there'll be a farewell tour. So for a year, every oh event I go to, it'll be the <laughs> Delhi farewell, and there'll be a party after every race. Brilliant. And so it'll be a farewell to each location. I mean, farewell to Noosa, farewell to Port, farewell to Busso, wherever it happens to be. All right. Well, let me know because okay. I'm coming to and, every and single like one John of those. And like John Farnham, no, I won't be back. Yeah. Unlike John Farnham, yes. I won't be back. <laughs> the comeback But it'll be it. the last thing I ever walk from. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, right. If God was to strike me down and say, you can only shoot one sport, it'd, it'd be triathlon. Right. Yeah. Oh. It's still a fair way away. I'm good. Okay, cool. cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we won't start uh, getting out the retirement banners just yet. Thank you. Um, I will wrap this up because I do know that you're a very busy man and there's movies to be seen. Yeah, I'm going to the movies. I'm going to go see the new Avengers one. <laughs> I'm going to sit up at the back of the cinema and throw popcorn at you. <laughs> That's the way I chill before a race is just go to the movies and it's perfect. lock myself away from transition area or yeah. what happens to be. So it's a little bit of escapism for a little while. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I did that years ago at Vancouver Worlds when okay. I didn't know Jeez, anyone in the sport. Ones. And it was pouring with rain. And I think I went and watched Sex and the City, the movie, oh, wow. just by myself. Yeah. I like going to the movies by myself. Same. same yeah. Same. Yeah. Now, the funny thing, going to these races year after year, I just have a routine. And that's yeah. part of port is to go to the movies. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, before you go, though, yeah. I do want to quickly ask, um, I'm, I've always been intrigued by this, who... Uh, other photographers, I guess particularly in our sport, because we all know who they are, who you are impressed by? There's a lot. Uh, yeah. If I start naming names, I'm going to forget someone. But um, it's funny, a lot of them, because they've been looking at my work, and not that they imitate, but uh, there's been a few of them that have told me this, so I'm not making it up. Yeah. But when they're stuck, they go, what would Delhi do? It's- I'm one of them. Okay, well, there Absolutely. you go. So the sport will be in good hands because I think I set not a benchmark. That's not, I've set a, um, not even a trend. What have I set? I've set a, a way of shooting the sport. That, yeah. I'm to, hopefully that sounds okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've shot a sport for so long in my way and that is now the way it has to be done. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like a rule book. Yep. Anyone who comes after me has to shoot it like Delhi does. Yeah. So my ITU photographers are wonderful. The Ironman guys I've met over the years have been great. Yeah. And those that hang around for three or four years, and they're worth this, you know, they are definitely worth. But that I, without intention, have set a level of photography that they all come back to. They yeah. need to shoot it this. They have to shoot the Delhi way, or the ITU, or Ironman, or whoever it happens to be. Won't won't take the picture. Yeah, yeah. Things are different now with a bit of video and and drones and stuff. And yeah, that's not my my scene. But yeah, um, yeah. They a few of them have said I got stuck at this point. And I didn't know what to do. And they went, what would Delhi do? That's so cool. Yeah. So, um, I can't, if I start naming names, I'm going to forget someone. Yeah. And then <laughs> I'm in trouble. Yeah. Well, I I myself know that 
I've been in a race. I'm like, what settings do you put it on for this? And, you know, mid-race. And you're just like, bang. And so I, I mean, I'm nothing like you, nowhere near you, but I do learn a lot from you directly, but also just looking at your photos and thinking, what would you and do? And also, don't get me wrong, I've seen other photographers work and go, oh, wow, why didn't I think of that? So don't, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they, they do think, oh, why didn't I see that? Or why didn't I shoot it that way? So yeah. Everyone, it, this is a tough sport to shoot. Our playground is so big. So, yeah. You know, yeah, sometimes photo- too much is it's too not much. good. You know, 180K a bike tomorrow. Yeah. That's a big distance, a big playground, not like a 50-meter pool. Yeah. So these photographers... um. Yeah, they've got to be good at what they do. They've got to be cons- they've got to be fit. They've got to keep thinking. They've got to keep looking. Yeah, and they do. Yeah, they do. I was going to say you, Steph, but <laughs> <laughs> I I still I can't call myself a photographer. I I do it, but I don't. It's one thing that I do, and yeah. I don't. Well, you're not using your phone like other people, so that's all good. Oh God, <laughs> that's just getting wor- worse and yeah. worse, isn't yeah, it's, it? But it, it, I mean, the phone has defined photography, right? It's, it's yeah. a new way of doing things. So yeah, <clears throat> I, we don't know in a few years' time whether it'll all be phone or something. Or the Nikon's yeah. and the Canons of this world will produce cameras that look like phones. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure how it's going to go. Yeah, it's been redefined. Yeah, absolutely. Just quickly talking about Nikon, you've actually got a doco coming up with them soon yeah, as an ambassador. I, I ended up being a global sports ambassador for them and originally was going to do a small doco on me and a new camera and yeah. then the stroke got in the way. <laughs> um, where So my shoot got put off. <clears throat> yeah. But God bless Nikon, they said, we will wait for you to be healthy till we do it. Wow. So it took a turn because... As I said, when I had the stroke, I went straight to my camera to see. And part of my angst or a lot of my angst was um may not work again. Yeah. So this project is about that whole mental side of it, how this new camera has helped my rehab because I yeah. was working towards this project. And the project they gave me, which was a, you know, shoot the image of your lifetime. And I had complete control of what I wanted to do. Yeah. So fencing is a special image a special sport for me yeah and we we created a picture solely from what i wanted to do so it brought me back to life it brought i keep saying it it fixed my broken wings oh it brought me back and and yeah so they're doing a doco at the moment it, yeah it's not a huge one it'll be online but yeah it'll eventually come out yeah it's how the camera my rehab my thought process the whole thing came together Wow. Yeah, and fencing, fencing is important because there was a turning point where I won an award because mm. of a fencing picture, and that probably saved my career. And yeah, and I ended up being a, a full time photographer. <clears throat> wow. So you'll see it soon. So yeah, so that image that you've now set up, we haven't seen that yet. No. Okay. No, but you, but yeah, the whole the. You'll see the whole process. Yeah. We just make sure we're following you online yeah, and we'll a, link yeah. everyone. There's a 30, so. minute, 30 second teaser on my Instagram at the moment. Yeah. Um, as of this morning, 300,000 views. So I don't know where that came from, but huh. I don't have that many fans. But in saying that, yeah, it, it'll explain a lot of things. The director wow. of the whole doco, wonderful creative guy. Wow. So they went to a lot of trouble and expense, Nikon. Yeah. But they... God bless them. They they did say we'll wait till you come back. So, production of the doco 
you know, it was five or six months later. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it really helped my rehab. Yeah, I bet. Mm. Deli, thank you so much for joining me. This is way too long, isn't it? Not at all. Has everyone switched off? Probably. (laughs) I did. A good half an hour ago. (laughs) (laughs) What's that pregnant thing of yours? Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. We're going to get this out um, published pretty soon because I just I want to get your story out there and yeah. Thank you for just hanging out. You're a good friend. You are. No, you are. Stop it. Stop it. Switch it off. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) 